Hey, thank you. Um, I want to echo uh, just what Doug is saying that we know there are so many uh, that are in a challenging season. Um, thank you for the ways that you are stepping in and being the church, being the body of Christ. There's a lot of ways that that you're serving in unseen ways. I'd love to hear more about that. If you wanted to email me, Gary at baymarin.org, I'd love to hear about just the ways that you are um, helping God's kingdom um, in heaven be made known here on earth. Would love to see, uh, just hear some more of those stories. And uh, I think it'd be a blessing for others to hear that as well. Um, but in, in the midst of this, we want to be pretty honest about about where we are. And I want to ask a question, and this is for, for you to respond to in the chat section, or you can reply all if you feel comfortable answering this question. Um, when you are stressed, where in your body do you notice it? Or where in your body do you tend to carry that stress? I'll give you a moment to, to think on that. Maybe even as a part of this exercise, you just, instead of chatting on here and adding that in, um, you would just be still and pay attention to that. Um, a couple of responses already that I can relate to, neck and shoulders. Yeah. I um, Shoulders, neck, stomach. Yeah. Just in your heart. Yeah, where in your body do you feel it? Sometimes it's our body that is trying to communicate to us that there is something deep within that we need to uh, that we need to address. Others of you, where do you feel that stress in your body? Read these out for those of you that can't see the the uh, chat feature. We've had uh, some other people, in addition to shoulders, mention their back and their stomach, um, and the skin, uh, some in the form of uh, headaches, and their very breath. Um, let's see, what else do we have? <laughs> Tom Sabito said, in his mustache, that's, that, that is a razor away, though. We can deal with stress like that. <laughs> um, so the, the, the point is that we don't, can we just be honest and say that um, not only can we acknowledge that, it, that there is stress in this world, but, but that we feel it. And when we feel it, it impacts us in a variety of ways. There's a phrase that you have probably heard uh, that's, again, it's just one of those phrases that in this pandemic was not a phrase before. And it's called Zoom fatigue. How many of you have heard of Zoom fatigue? How many of you, not right now, are feeling Zoom fatigue, but you have, you're familiar with it. You don't feel it on Sunday mornings with Bay Moran, right? Don't answer that. Okay, Zoom fatigue. So, um, so there have been scientific studies that reveal that delays on phone or video conferencing systems, such as Zoom, they shape our views of people in a negative way. Now get this, even a delay of 1.2 seconds through like a video conference call can make people perceive the responder as less friendly or focused. Now, when we think about it, silence when we're in person, um, in our face-to-face -face conversations, there's, there are brief moments of silence that are, that's just part of the normal rhythm of dialogue. 
But when silence occurs over a video call, what we're realizing is people are likely to become anxious about the technology. And some of you, I know this because you've, you've shared this, um, some of you battle a frustration of trying to focus when your screen keeps freezing or the person you're listening to keeps breaking up. And then there's the whole issue of wondering what do people think about as they stare at my little framed picture? So we've, we've got that kind of stress. And some of you are having to do this all day for work or school. You're on Zoom constantly. And then again in the evening, we try to remain connected with family and friends. And have you kind of wondered how is it in the midst of all this that we could feel so lonely and yet at the same time, maybe we're actually too connected. Uh, there's been an onslaught of information. How many of us feel waterboarded by the glut of emails and webinars and news feeds and all these new modes of communicating? I mean, who, who knew that isolation could actually lead to overconnectedness? And that stress, not just from Zoom fatigue and web-based socializing, that doesn't include dire economic and financial concerns, physical health concerns parenting as well as at the same time as being a parent you're working hard to be nominated for teacher of the year regardless of your situation and here we are recognizing what we feared all along which is that we really don't have as much control as what we thought and all of this amounts to stress and we feel it in different ways and so by opening up my little talk with this um, <laughs> i may have added to your stress and if that's the case, you're welcome. That was not the, not the goal to add to it, but just to bring it to an awareness. Let me kind of shift gears. I'm still going to be talking about some of the same stuff, but um, as many of you have noticed and commented on, I've got this mountain of stuff behind me. And um, when you're not um, all wearing mustaches, some of you have even added a mountain of stuff to your background, a garage scene to, to the virtual backgrounds of Zoom. So I have this mountain of stuff behind me here in the garage. And what I do sometimes when I come out here um, throughout the day, my new office in the garage, to start my day, and especially in the cool mornings, sometimes I'll put the garage door up. And the fresh air is nice, but the real reason I like the door up has to do with the view. When I lean forward and turn to the right, I have a clear view of a tree and rock covered hill that's maybe a pitching wedge away. As I glance that direction now, I can see um, there's the blue sky rising up behind it. And on a breezy day, like what we've had earlier this week especially, it's like the leaves of those trees are waving to me or maybe even like beckoning me to come up and join them on that hill. Plastic tubs and metal shelving here in our garage, they kind of form their own mountains, mountains that obscure my view of that mountain near our house. But by shifting my weight and leaning forward, turning my head, I mean, you just, you gotta see this, this is beautiful which is a great life lesson that I want us to think about. There is beauty, a lot of beauty around us, but to see it, we need to shift our focus and turn our thoughts towards it. 
And I want to read a passage of scripture about Moses climbing a mountain. And then I'm going to dialogue uh, with Dave, who many of you know. Uh, we're going to talk about how art and creativity help us look beyond the mountains of stuff so that we can see the mountain of God. And then I'm going to wrap up with a couple of closing thoughts. But that mountain that is just right over there has, has done more than just capture my attention. There have been times when I've just had to press pause in the middle of my day, walk down the street to the gate that leads to the trail that I can wind around and, and spend some time up on that mountain. And those mountain experiences are so life-giving. And I want to read this, and this is one of several times where we read, especially in Exodus, about a man named Moses who encountered God on a mountain. Uh, I'm going to be reading from Exodus 24, beginning in verse 12. And occasionally I'll post a few of these verses for us in the chat feature. Uh, but if you've got a Bible handy, um, join me. Uh, Exodus is the second book of the Bible, so it's not too hard to find. Chapter 24, verse 12. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here. And I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. And he said, what God is saying is, I want to share some things with you up here on this mountain that are going to impact the way that you live when you come down off of this mountain. Then Moses set out with Joshua, his aide, and Moses went up on the mountain of God. He said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and her are with you, and anyone involved in a dispute could go to them. Verse 15, when Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days, the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. You ever thought about that? I mean, just that right there. For six days, he's been obedient. Moses, I'm sure when, when God said, Moses, I want you to come up the mountain, I kind of picture him kind of hustling to get his, his stuff together and stop what he's doing and get up there. And he gets up there, and it's six days that he's sitting there. And then, not until the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from within the, from within the cloud. Kind of makes me wonder if in those six days, Moses was like, maybe I could have, I think I could have gotten a few more things done, a couple extra loads of laundry or something before I made my way up here. But for a timeless God, the length of the journey, the time that we wait probably doesn't mean a whole lot. But here he is on this mountain, verse 17, to the Israelites, the glory of the Lord, as they're looking up, looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. There he is in the presence of God. Now, I'm going to come back to this in just a moment, but I want to um, take a moment, and Dave and I are going to dialogue. For those of you that don't know uh, Dave he is the leader of Creative Interfaces. He is Bay Marin family, has been a part of Bay Marin for, for many years. 
And so, um, Dave, how's the internet connection for us this morning? Is it working okay? Well, we've had a little trouble here, but I think at the moment we're good. All right. First, Dave, man, I just want to say um, how much I personally have enjoyed uh, and truly feel blessed in these first few months of forming a friendship with you. Um, I, I know I speak for a lot of us when I say that your approach to and your commentary on life is just so healing. Uh, my time with you is so good for my soul. And uh, we experience that as we hang out with you. And Dave, you were just humbly going about being the man that God created you to be. And I believe that you likely live largely unaware of how often you breathe new life into people. And so for many of us, I just want to start off by saying thank you so much for just the way you are you and the way God speaks through you. Um, so to kind of kick this off, I want us, uh, just, if you could tell us briefly what happened that led you to establish and grow creative interfaces, how was this birthed in you? Because this is not something that you built using stuff around you. It's, it's the result of something that God birthed in you. So tell us just a little bit about that. Well, thanks Gary. Um, in order to answer that, I have to make it kind of personal because that's the nature of the work. Erin and I, my wife, started Creative Interfaces, though not by that name, uh, about 18 years ago in 02, when we started the Second Saturday Gathering, which we've been doing for 18 years, which is kind of amazing in itself. Uh, backing up way before that, when I was young, I was an artist. If you've ever seen the street artists in San Francisco at Fisherman's Wharf and Embarcadero and all those places, I was one of those guys a long time ago and did that for years. And I ended up growing a business and had a warehouse with uh, eight to 12 employees, depending on when, and became sort of a designer of products. And uh, my art world flourished and I identified as an artist. And uh, after about 16 years of doing that, my, all of my designs were copied by another company and made in China. And the market was flooded with my stuff uh, in a way that was, felt kind of good to see my stuff everywhere. And yet it wasn't, it was paying someone else. So uh, I lost everything. And that's a big story, which I won't go into now, but having lost everything, uh, God met me in a unique, deeply personal way and showed me how my identity was not as an artist or as in anything, but it's just myself with him. Just God plus you equals everything. And uh, so I found my identity in God and I kind of gave up art. I gave up uh, business and I wanted to focus on people and ministry. And I went to seminary and got a surprise in the sense that I found out that God gave me back my art and more generously than ever before and enabled me to help other people see how our creative process is connected to connecting us with God, not just expressing ourselves independently. 
And so creativity became integrated into my spirituality. And I wanted to take what I'd learned and help others find their true identity in God. And the language I understood was art and creativity. So that was my uh, kind of personal program, format kind of thing. And uh, so in 02, I started Second Saturday, which was just a forum of artists sharing their work in a non-competitive, applauding each other sort of way. And Creative Interfaces was born. I hope that made sense. Yeah, that's great. I love, um, I always love the journeys that, uh, hearing about the journeys. It, for those of us that wouldn't know, we would just think, wow, okay, this, this just happened. But it's, it's great to hear um, what transpired within you. And that's, uh, that's so much of what gives this um, life and meaning. So a question for you, and I think we've got a link to your website that is, uh, yeah, just showed up in the chat feature so people can kind of poke around on that and, and learn more. Um, but a more specific question, how does or how could art and individual expression be a valuable pathway for encountering God during shelter in place? How does that become whether it's for you or how could it become for us, kind of that way that we ascend into that cloud on the mountain without making it sound too mysterious. Um, but how can it be a way that we um, encounter God and um, find a way to express ourselves during this shelter in place? That's a great question. Um, I'd start by saying, don't assume you have to be an artist. Everybody has some sort of creative expression that's true to them. And so I would say, acknowledge God's creative presence within you and start with something you already know. If you're a visual artist, do visual art that you're already comfortable with. If you're a dancer or somebody who's inclined that way, movement is a good language. Bring God into that process. Maybe you're just love to cook and acknowledge God in your, in your preparing of food, and that can be very creative. Uh, design things, sing, play musical instruments, uh, anything that gets at your uniqueness and expresses it. Even just writing, journaling, building something, making something. Uh, if we just take what we already know, don't feel like you have to go to that brand new, uh, that intimidating, I'm not creative kind of place. You don't have to trigger that. Just go to what you know and feel God's presence in the process. I think start with that because it's about connecting to God and it's about expressing at first more than it's about learning something new. So to me, and I, you could expound on this as you feel led, but um, when I see what someone has expressed, whether it is, um, you know, something on canvas or like some of the examples that you gave through some, uh, through work in their garden or through a meal that they've fixed, um, sometimes we, what we're doing is we're able to express uh, what's really going on inside of us. And so, um, how would you speak to that? Our need, 
to express to God and even to ourselves what is stirring and taking place in our thoughts. Uh, it could be addressing longings. It could be addressing fears. It could be addressing hopes. But um, how, how might this art, creative, personal expression help us kind of get to that thing behind the thing as we open up and, and, um, and get real with God? Uh, also a great question. Um, if you've brought God into your process and into your thinking and feeling and doing stuff you already know, uh, in everybody, there's a unique, at least everybody at some point, maybe not every day, but at some point there's something inside that God put there that needs to be expressed. And that's your unique view. And that's your unique contribution to the rest of us, which is, makes it important. Yeah. And this is where we get into maybe something new, like stepping into a truly creative, a raw creative, raw creativity. Uh, so acknowledge God's presence in your own thoughts, in your own heart. Acknowledge him as within you. Uh, and anticipate inspiration. You don't have to worry about whether it will come if God lives in you. And just set that aside. Just anticipate it. Anticipate inspiration. God already lives in you. Just listen. Uh, I think a life of doing what you know and listening for something new is the gateway to great creativity. God already sees your tomorrow and your, the things you will do that you haven't done yet. He's already there, so, and he lives within you. So it's actually, the skids are greased, if you will, uh, when it's connected to him. So move into creating and allow yourself to try something new, something you think that would be creative and that would be new. I haven't tried that before. Might be writing poetry, might be painting a picture, might be picking up a camera and trying new angles on photography. It might be... Uh, some sort of problem solving or building something. It doesn't matter in that sense. It's just about bringing God into your process, trying something new. And I would encourage people to think small. Uh, there's no reason to intimidate yourself. Just do something that's a little tiny bit new. And that totally counts. That's a beautiful thing. And it puts you in that space of raw creativity where you and God together are stepping into something new. When we create, we're acting like God. I mean that in a good way, not playing God, but he just creates all the time. Tomorrow is not even here yet. He's working on it now. It's in the oven. And so when we create something new, it's like, like mother, like daughter, like father, like son kind of thing. You know, it's, it's, it totally just connects us to him. And so it, and it puts us in a, in a, a new place where we rely on him for inspiration. And that's exactly where we're supposed to live. Uh, and God empowers our creative process when we express ourselves truthfully, honestly, and humbly. I love so much of what you said there. Um, uh, Jane posted a, a, a quote. And if you are on Twitter, this would be the type of thing that you would want to retweet um, he said, God is with you and within you anticipate inspiration. Um, I love that. Just kind of leaning forward in, in anticipation, that picture of 
Um, God is already at work. He's been at work preparing us for those moments. Um, is there a, a way, and I'll kind of let this be a, a uh, kind of a way that we'll wrap this up. Um, how do you, how do you prepare for um, those, those times of creativity? How do you prepare for um, a time with God? And I know some of them are, are unplanned. Um, inspiration can strike and we want to be attentive to that. But are there some things that you would recommend for us that would be uh, like Moses had to do a few things to walk up that mountain? to enter into God's presence. Um, are there just some simple suggestions that you would have for us to prepare ourselves to, to meet with God in those ways? Uh, I hate to say this because none of us really like it maybe, but you just start, you just move forward. And however you're feeling about that, you just put that on the shelf and you just start. If you, most of us have some idea, like, okay, if I did something create, creative or tried to express myself, most people, at least sometimes, have some inkling of what they would try. And I think just start that. And if there's truly nothing there, then it's just about going to God in any way you know how. It's all about... Uh, our connection to him. Uh, I know one of the things that blocks people is an over-focus on themselves, a fear of uh, not doing something right or a fear of failure. And I would say just learn to laugh at that stuff because it's funny and it's silly. And we're not supposed to be all that grand, really, you know, except in Christ. Christ makes us amazing. So don't try to be amazing. Just connect to Christ. Love it. Dave, thank you. Thank you for the ways that you lead us. Like I said, you, um, just in the conversations that we get to have with you, I look forward to just like on Sundays after the service, just the ways that we get to hang out with you. Um, and um, Karen and others in your, in your house too. We are, are so blessed with the way that you live a creative lifestyle that um, is just kind of open and invites us in to see God in some fresh ways. And I love that. Thank you. Thank you. I, I so appreciate you letting me uh, share this morning. I just thank yeah. you so much. Great. More, more of it to come for sure. More of it to come. I want us to um, transition back to that scripture passage and let's, let's hold on to some of these, these nuggets that, that Dave shared. And what I want us to see in this passage is um, Moses and a select few went up the mountain, and from there we read that only Moses spent time in the presence of Almighty God, and he was the one that came back with this new way of living, a new way of encountering God's kingdom on earth in that specific time of history. Um, there's a lot of principles that I think we can learn from Moses, but I, I do want to warn us of a common misreading of application, which is that God's plan is to speak through one um, through primarily through one person or a select few while everyone else simply realigns their lives according to that one leader's perspective. Um, 
and I, Dave is, is inviting each of us to realize that when we, um, when we touch on that creative part of us, um, that we are, um, we are deepening that connection with our creator. And that's not something that just Dave can do. Um, not something that just artists can do, but to realize that we are all created to walk up that mountain. That is something that has, that has changed since the Old Testament. And it's because of Jesus that there's been a change, not a change in what the kingdom of God is like. Um, but I'm talking about who God invites into his presence and who God commissions to usher in God's new way of life. He doesn't call a Moses. He calls each and every one of us. And there's a, a biblical word for it, a churchy phrase. It's called the priesthood of all believers. And no longer do we need someone we deem as our holy representative here on earth to go for us. No longer do we go through a priest to gain access to God. We read this in, in Hebrews 4. I'm going to post that in the chat. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Let us, this is each one of us, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In other words, when we feel in our bodies the stress and the fatigue of life, God is inviting each of us. There is a, a way that he is from that mountain and saying to each of us, I want to spend some time with you. Um, the fatigue that many of us feel, that's not something that can be blamed on Zoom, if we are honest. It's possible that through all of this, so we've not been paying attention to the most real part of us, which is our soul. Your soul is what exists beyond circumstances and roles. It's the part of you that's created in God's image. It's the part of you that when you create, it comes from your soul. And it's that part of you that will outlive your earthly tent, as is referred to in Scripture. Um, an author, Professor Robert Mulholland, I heard him describe the soul in real simple terms. He says, your soul is the place where God is present to you. It's the place where God's spirit bears witness to your spirit. And the soul is, is this reservoir where our deepest longings are held and are revealed. <clears throat> and we're warned of how despairing life would be if we do not take care of our soul. In Mark chapter 8, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? And it's a heavy verse, um, but it's one that um, I think is we are blessed in that it is one that's, that's we receive this warning. It's a reminder what good is it for us to survive or even thrive in the midst of this pandemic if we lose that place of deep connection with God? What does it profit a family if our kids have great grades but are not caring for that tender place where they connect with God? What does it profit to figure out the future and predict what the new normal is going to be like 
yet lose my own soul, my primary place of connecting with God. And I, I think if, through creative expression, it's one of those ways that we get in touch with our soul, that very real part of us. This week, every week, consider the importance of caring for your soul, showing love and extending grace to that truest and most real part of you. Because the main calling we have is to a relationship with our Creator. This is first, foremost, and always. And then we're called into a relationship that will inwardly transform us in ways that result in our outward actions being more and more Christ-like. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, and this is Paul is speaking to people who understood that when Moses came down from the mountain, oftentimes his face would be glowing and he would put a veil over his face. And he, with that in mind, he says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all with unveiled faces, we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into this image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You are invited to climb a mountain. You are invited to sit in God's presence. You are invited to hear God's voice. You are invited to respond to God's initiative, and then at the right time, to walk away from that encounter with a, a new-to-you way to express kingdom living here on earth. Climb a mountain, maybe literally, for the purpose of listening to God and the ways he's tugging on your heart and, and drawing your soul out of hiding. Your assignment this week is to climb a mountain. and, and That may be literal for you. Um, you, like me, um, have one close by, just a hillside where you can go and, and have a change of perspective, literally and figuratively. Um, it could be listening, as Dave was talking about, listening to just that real simple and natural way for you to create and to express what is within you. There is a mountain for you to climb, a mountain, a place where you respond to God's invitation. And on that mountain, while in the presence of your Creator, he recreates you. He transforms you. He transforms me from the inside out, and he makes us new. This song that Jane is going to lead us in um, is talking about just a new work that could be happening by a new people um, because he is doing something new in us. So I just encourage you to um, just let out a slow relaxing exhale and rest right here where you are. And as Jane sings, you, you may feel led to jump in. The lyrics are going to be there. Uh, but in the very least, just let this wash over you as she sings. The shelter in place is not going to last forever. Um, my prayer is that when we come out of this, we are new people. We are new people from the inside out. We are new people with a new vision for a way we are going to bring God's kingdom of heaven to display on this earth. God loves doing something new. 
this the crushing word in that that song is um, what led me to rem- it just reminded me of the words of Isaiah speaking prophetically uh, about the Messiah. Isaiah fifty three five, he was pierced for our transgressions; he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. I hope you have it nearby um, as we turn to uh, this time, bread and wine. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Partake of that bread with me now. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, the cup that was filled with the wine that was made from the crushing. And he took that cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's be a people this week who climb mountains. Let's be a people this week who long to enter into the life-changing presence. And when you find yourself um, connecting with somebody at work, um, when you find yourself in the evening with your Zoom mates and your Zoom group, When people sense that there is something new taking place in you, something that's alive, um, how cool is it that we can give glory to God and say, you know, I climbed this mountain. I responded to this invitation from God, and he is doing that that new work. So find find that way um, to express what's in your soul. Find that way to care for your soul this week, and then let's take that back out into the world with us as we go. We're going to unmute here in just a moment, and it'll be a time for us to visit, um, to say hello. You can use the chat feature. You can speak up, um, uh, but this is a time uh, that I want us to kind of celebrate just our community here um, as we make our way forward. Thank you for joining us this morning.